Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com forward slash geeklife. Over 100,000 titles to choose from on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, and or MP3 player. Welcome back to Geek Life, Panamiga.com's very own podcast, episode 34. I'm JP, as always with me is my fearless co-host, the Brian. Daddy needs a whole new pair of everything. <laughs> and the vicious co-host, Joe. Hello again. And with us today we have Nero. Hello. And Penku. Hi, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Very good. So, hey, here we are. The second weekly podcast. Can, right. you, can you feel the excitement? It's so cool. I am so glad to be able to bring you guys the geeky goodness weekly from now on. It's pretty pretty freaking awesome. Mm, putting in your ear more often than, than before. <laughs> yes, we're here to, yes, we're here to pleasure your ear holes every week. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, that was a poor taste. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway. Which fits right in with us. Yeah, hey, exactly. Yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, okay, so uh, last time we took care of pretty much all the housekeeping that there is to say. So Maybe. why don't we move straight into the Indie Spotlight. This week's Indie Spotlight focuses on Happel Tea. Is a hilarious, hilarious oh, yeah. web, <laughs> uh, web comic by the magnificent Scott Maynard. So Scott is actually currently a student at the Art Institute of Boston as an animation major. And this is hmm. uh, just uh, one of his many projects, and it is freaking hilarious. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think this has been going on since 08. The style has changed a lot mm-hmm. over the years. Pinko and I were talking about yes. that. Yeah. You yeah, were saying well, that the old style is definitely fits in sort of a definable style. It's not, you know what I mean? Well, it told, it, you know, it's, it's that super deformed uh, anime style that was that's still sort of really popular. Sure. I think, you know, because it's a lot of really simple forms. It's easy for artists to do, and it's easily recognizable, and it's really cute looking. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of fun. But really. what I mentioned before is it told me more about the artist more than it did about the actual comic, sure. because it didn't seem like it fit at all with the tone of the comic. And so as I, I clicked the random button as I was going through the comic, sure. and it was cool to see the stylistic changes. I really like the way it looks now. It's beautiful. Yeah. It is. It's gorgeous now. Yeah, that was the first thing that caught my eye it's when, when I brought it right? up. That's actually usually not the first thing I notice about a comic, is the art. I'm, right, or let alone webcomics. Webcomics yeah. get away with being crazy terrible sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is just not the way it is. Scott is a very, very fine artist. And, and it's it's. I actually like that the art has changed. I get a kick out of seeing progression like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I haven't had the chance because it's been going on for freaking ever, but I haven't had the chance to really go through it step by step. I hit the random button a bunch, kind of jumped around, saw mm-hmm. some of the more recent stuff. And, and this one is sort of a bite-sized, you know, one you don't really need to see, have seen a bunch of the previous ones to be able to get yeah. the, you know, to get the joke. And it, it still works really well, but it's it's hilarious. Yeah, I started from the beginning, got about 25 in, and then looked at the, the posting date for it, and it's um, 2009, and thought, like, oh, Fuck me! I'm not gonna get through all this tonight. <laughs> right, right. It, you know, I I sat and spent probably uh, just easily a half hour just hitting the random button, and I laughed pretty much every time. Oh, like, yeah. Right out loud. It's it's very well done. So a little bit about Apple Tea. Apple Tea is a comic written and drawn by one Scott Maynard, and is the only comic that excoriates. Did I say that right? There's no way I said that. Excoriates. No, you said yes, it right. you said it right. And is the only comic that excoriates religion, pop culture. And politics at the same time, lauding the world of cryptozoology. <laughs> Scott has been known to associate with a uh, panoply. Good lord, man! Choosing twenty dollars words, here, yeah. you. Okay. Uh, yeah. 
Scott has been known to associate with a panoply of creatures ranging from the mighty Sasquatch to the lesser-known Dire Owl, and is on a first-name basis with all of them. Appleti is a factual account of his dealings with the supernatural beings, gods, and his monsters' friends related in the strips by his comic doppelganger, Little K. Or Little Lil K, L-I-L-K. While not working on Appleti, he is often writing and drawing other comics, working on animation, or playing guitar. So, the thing about this comic that's really neat is that it is it can be very tongue-in-cheek and, and silly, uh, and it, at times, honestly can be a little bit lost on you if you're not familiar with certain religious dogma or mythology mm-hmm. or cryptozoology or something like that, which is good and bad at the same time. Because if you're in the know, it's extra awesome because it's like, oh, he gets me, you know? But if it's something that you're like, oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it completely lost on you. But it's pretty cool because it really does hit all those crazy different things. Religion, pop culture, politics, and cryptozoology. It's like, how yeah. in the world did that all end up together? <laughs> but it works really, really well. Yeah. There was one I read that I just couldn't get for the life of me. I'm like, what the hell is this guy talking about? He's talking to God and says, your book's dumb. Seven deadly sins. Look at this fuzzy little <laughs> creature. It's adorable. It how can this be a sin? I thought that was hysterical. Yeah. And then... Don't get it? It's a sloth. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so exactly. Good. Once you get it, it's freaking hilarious. It's freaking hilarious. No, there's, there's, it's, there's, a very, there's a very sharp wit here. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can tell the comic is written with, a, with a really just a high level of intelligence, and you know, it's really good. It's, it's, not, it's not cheap jokes. No. You know, it's, it's definitely thinking jokes. Thanks I, to Happel T, I now know that all Tyrannosaurus Rex eat mangoes. Mangoes, duh! <laughs> no. The, it's, it's great. Basically, the main character is a little boy um, of an undetermined age, and his name is Lil' K. And Lil' K lives with Sasquatch and God. And God often takes the form of whatever the hell he wants, but most of the time he spends his time as a cat. And, and so it's, it's kind of a cool format, because he basically allows for there to be some pretty sort of big questions to be posed to a cat who happens to be God, and the, God, and the cat can speak with authority on it, and it's often just satirical and hilarious, but also in some cases insightful. Yeah. You know, because I mean, we all have those big questions like, "What's it all about? Why this? Why that?" You know, pierogies. And, and he <laughs> comes right out and says it, and it's awesome. There's yeah, there's one where it's like, "What is it all about?" And and uh, oh no, why did you create human? What was it? I'm oh, gonna look yeah, it up. No, why are you here? Why are you it's, here? Because this place has great pierogies. Yeah. Oh, why are humans here? Because this was the only place I could find it. Was yeah. the only planet that had pierogies? <laughs> yeah. What's the meaning of life? Pierogies. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. I just I I've found myself going back and just thumbing through this on a regular basis. I mean, it you know it it is a little daunting that it's been going on for so long and there's so much of it, but it's yeah. it's still kind of it's also kind of completely great that there's so much of it that you can just <laughs> yeah. sit here and just while away hours. Because just they're pretty much around. single strips. You can jump into any single. Yeah, they really are. And, like, it doesn't really matter. So the fact that there's years of this is pretty nice to have. Yeah, it's definitely, (laughs) definitely pretty great. So make sure to go check out Happletea at happletea.com. That's H-A-P-P-L-E-T.com. Not T the letter, but (laughs) T-E-A. Yes. 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 And then you can also follow Scott at Happletea on Twitter which you should definitely do. He's very active on Twitter, always posting funny things and keeping you up to date on everything that's going on with the comic. And just highly recommend Happel T is just brilliant, hilarious, good stuff, gorgeous art. 
You know, nice, nice use of color, good palettes. It's just, it's yeah. just good. That's just, I mean, there's a lot of web comics out there. Believe me, lots of web comics out there, and this one really stands out. Like, it's, it's quality. I like competence it quite a bit. is great. It's yeah. so great. Yeah, it is. It's, <laughs> it's freaking awesome. It's so and, rare. Yes, it is. It's pretty, pretty awesome. So anyway, make sure to check out Happle Tea at HappleTea.com and follow Scott Maynard at at Happle Tea on Twitter. This episode, we're going to review Gruesome Tales by Jared Menenden and Joe Daly. But first, we're going to get into a quick game review. Now, uh, over the past couple weeks, uh, well, over the past year or so, one of my very closest friends and very infrequent Geek Life visitor, but he has been on a couple episodes, Chaz, uh, we actually got a chance to hang out, which is rare and much appreciated and enjoyed. As always, we talk about geeky business because we're complete geeks. And he decided to show me something on his his phone. Now, to be completely honest, at this point, I'm kind of like, uh, no more phone games. <laughs> like, I'm just kind of tired of phone games. I'm tired of the simple, you know, cut the this, throw the that. It's like, no, nah, I'm done. You know, but but uh, but he comes out and he's like, no, you really need to play this. So he throws down his his uh, his Android, and I see Oregon Trail. And I'm thinking to myself, just like just at a flash, I'm like, Oregon Trail? I've played enough Oregon Trail for ten lifetimes. Because it was the only thing that you could play in school. And so I played the shit out of Oregon Trail. You didn't have I, where in the world is Carmen San Diego? No, well, no. Or no. Math Blaster? No, we, we had Oh Math Blaster. No, dude, Mario teaches rabbit. typing. Well, hello. I didn't get that. Oh yeah, buddy. Oh, man. No, but for some reason in, on, I can't remember but in one of these classes that I had in elementary school, I was already a completely just Head over heels gamer. I, you know, saw that we had a computer and, you know, showed an interest. And the teacher was like, yeah, go ahead and use it. You know, finish your project or whatever and jump in. And, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, I'm going to find a game on here somewhere. And sure enough, the only damn game that was there was Oregon Trail. And Oregon Trail is actually pretty entertaining. It wasn't the, like, Apple IIe 8-bitty version, or not even 8-bit <laughs> version. Oh, yeah. It was the, the more advanced version. I think it was, like, on a Mac Performa or something, which is what every school had for some reason. Yeah. But it was still pretty darn entertaining, uh, even for an educational game. And so... Chaz throws down Oregon Trail, as in, like, organs inside your body, and I just read it as Oregon Trail, just kind of in passing. was like, no, nah, I'm good. No, 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 no. I don't need any more of that. And he goes, no, 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 no. Organ Trail, as in zombies. And then I said, and I grabbed it. <laughs> and we spent the next probably hour passing it around, just goofing around. And it's basically, if you've ever played Oregon Trail, you know, you're... you're on the trail to Oregon, covered wagon, trying to survive, shooting stuff, dealing with dysentery for some reason. Everybody gets dysentery. Got to make sure you have enough bacon. Bacon, because bacon solves all things. And uh, I tried to make it solve all things. It really yeah, doesn't. It doesn't. Broken tire? No. Nope. You can buy bacon, nope. right? Yes. So in the beginning, you can you basically can allot things, right? And in the old game, you could buy bacon. And so it's kind of this joke. Everybody bought bacon. It's like somebody get dysentery. Give them bacon! <laughs> <laughs> Wheel broke. More bacon! bacon. <laughs> there's, there's no bacon in this one. I know. Which, which Brian was really sad about. He's like, where's the bacon? <laughs> anyway, so it, it is it is more akin to the old Apple IIe organ trail and is actually pretty darn entertaining and yeah. really hard. Mm-hmm. It, as yeah. organ trail I mean, should be. As, as yes. organ trail should be, as, as older games tend to be. I, I found myself thinking... This is clearly an homage to the old one. It's not just a spin-off, it's not just an idea. It is it is a almost direct copy just transpose the genre. You mm-hmm. know, and 
not shooting buffalo anymore. You're shooting zombies or shooting zombie bears, bears or, dogs. or dogs. They have they have <laughs> bosses. There weren't bosses in Oregon yeah, they, Trail, were there? <laughs> no, I don't remember that. Remember. You know, you're not like hunting for deer, and then all of a sudden you get like the Donner oh. Party shows up. <laughs> <laughs> the entire game was a boss, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. it was a rough. That was a rough game. But but yeah, this one's actually really really quite challenging. And, and there's there's I think like six difficulty levels, at least four difficulty levels, and we recommend easy. Because <laughs> <laughs> then you might actually make. Where are you headed? Seattle or something? Like, um, Oregon. Oregon again? Yeah. yeah. Which makes perfect sense. <laughs> sure, why not? Duh. I don't know. Anyway, they're heading west. <laughs> I'm in Texas right now. Oh, are you? Well, yeah. Wow. Very, very Don't good. mess with Texas. Don't mess with Texas. Now they have zombie dogs. <sighs> yeah, I ran into some worse zombie worse. dogs. Graphically, it's in that old-fashioned style, like we were saying, and it does have a charm to it, but the rest of the game is also very much in that old-fashioned style, and, and there's, oh. a, there's a pretty significant clunky factor, I would say. Yeah. You know, I mean, as oh, yeah. much as it as much as it is an homage to a kind of a great game in gaming history, uh, that game is not a great game in comparison to games now. You know, and so I'm you know, like it came out like I think maybe like six months to a year ago or something like that. And I, originally it came out and it was a free flash game. And the version oh. that we all have on our mobile devices actually was the result of a Kickstarter campaign for the director's cut edition. <laughs> and so I did try and play the old flash game and it's, it's even more like the original one, you know, <laughs> oh. they've, they've added a little bit in the director's cut to make it feel a little bit more modern. If you can believe that, but it's, it's actually, I think it was much of fun. I mean, what, what did you guys oh, think? Yeah. Yes. At the beginning of the game, you meet a character, was it Clements, who Clements. dies immediately. Yes. Um, Don't get attached to Clements. Yes. <laughs> spoiler alert, in the first 10 seconds, he dies. No, spoiler alert, in the first 10 seconds, you have to shoot him in the face. <laughs> yeah. To move forward in the story. You can't be like, nah, you got to shoot him in the face. Can you die? Press A to shoot in face. No. Yes. Oh. But it was a really nice touch to make you actually have to pull the trigger. Yeah, no, that's yeah. I mean, that's that, that classic scene in the, the lot of the zombie movies and so to actually have that right. experience yourself, I thought that was a really nice touch. No, that was yeah. cool. It's yeah. actually a pretty brilliant way to do a little tutorial early on. It really is, actually. It took you, I mean, they basically had Clements, who's more experienced in road tripping in Zombieland, apparently. Yeah. And uh, comes you know, and saves your ass. Yeah, they start right. you in a shooting gallery to show you how the shooting system works. Right, in the, the game. game starts and zombies are coming at you. You're hiding behind a barricade. You're shooting at them. And then pretty soon you run out of bullets. And I'm thinking to myself, ah, WTF, what's happening? And then Clemens comes in and saves your butt. Just like, like rocks up oh. and just lays to waste a ton of zombies. Like, yeah, yeah, this guy's an OG right here. Right, and then he's like, do you know anybody that we can trust? And then you get to enter in four names and then they summon them somehow. <laughs> no, no, you go to Washington to yeah, you find, find them. them in the shelter. They're all they're all in the shelter yeah, in Washington. They just Apparently, happen to be all in the shelter. The problem is is that they get they let you choose the names. Yeah. <laughs> yes, apparently Jesus lives in Washington. <laughs> and Mega Man. And Mega Man. And Mega Man. And they both have dysentery. <laughs> well no. No, I, what did what did Jesus do in your game? He got bored and started annoying people. Annoying people or something. Because you've got these times where you're like traveling, right? And as you're traveling, just like the old game, roll the dice, random things happen to kind of mix it up. And, you know, somebody gets sick or somebody finds something. It's sometimes, it's, most of the time it's bad. Sometimes it's good. And, and I had forgotten all about that. And so you're in this station wagon, just Volvo <laughs> cruising along, heading towards something. It's like... John got bit. I'm like, by what? <laughs> yeah. He has dysentery. How? <laughs> yeah. Seriously, in the first like three minutes of my game, the Brian got bit, the admin broke her leg, and then... <laughs> in the car. In the in car. In the freaking in the car. car. And, and the car's then... jacked up. Oh, yeah. dude, it gets worse because 
in my game, zombie number five dropped his wallet into the crack of the car seat and it was gone forever. Yeah, I was like, that fuck you, zombie number five. I almost killed him on the spot. Oh, you can choose to kill people too, which is yes. pretty great. And if I would have known that earlier, I would have killed all those food consuming resource <laughs> hogs immediately. Because they can't scavenge. They don't do anything. No, they don't do anything. They're, they're just your there. Resources. You who does all the You basically work. have to just take care of all these you little all babies. The yeah, you might as well just keep one to breed with later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can you breed? I don't know, but. Just like, I'm going to find out. <laughs> <laughs> so, one of his characters is going to be named Breeding Stock. It, gotcha. <laughs> it is kind of funny, though, because when you're out scavenging, and when you're out shooting, or you can actually like take jobs in cities and stuff. If you make a mistake and get hit, the little mini game is over, and you you take damage. Your main character takes damage, and if your main character dies, the game is over. And the only way to heal your main character is with a med pack. Everybody else, however, when you're resting, they just consume your food and heal. And I'm thinking to myself, what the? F really? Yeah. How come I have to use med packs? Everybody else gets to eat and then they magically heal. Sponging little bitches. It's ridiculous. Wow. It's like it's 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 like you know playing Team Fortress and you know you get a health pack and you shove it up your ass. Somehow you're better. <laughs> it's just it's just it's not cool. <laughs> I want to be able to eat and heal. Come on now. I do want to make this mention because both the eighth Henry when I saw him and we were playing the game and I made the same mistake. At the very beginning, you get to dole out a certain amount of things, points, kind of like in the old original Oregon Trail where you had a certain amount of funds and you bought certain supplies and stuff like that. Yeah. One of the... Well, think setting up stats for an RPG yeah, character. Yeah, setting up stats. One of the things that they have is money. And both the 8th Henry and I, when we were starting our games, were like, this is a zombie apocalypse. We don't need money. Money. I don't Wrong. Yeah, we'll scavenge yeah. anything we need. Right, exactly. I thought the same thing. I was like, we're going to need gas. We're going to need food. You know, Bullets. Right. And the, the reality is, though, unless you put at least one little little dot into everything, you're fucked. I still haven't uh, been able to use a muffler yet. Really? Oh, I burned through my muffler in like 10 minutes. Really? Magically, my it just like just like magically you get bitten and dysentery and break your leg on your car ride, I, magically my bump my my muffler was like just destroyed. Yeah, I've always kept a supply of two and then I'd find some here and there and trade them away immediately if I could for other stuff, <laughs> like food, so bullets, Swiss cheese and bullets, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, someday. So, um you guys have all pretty much had a chance. Any any other thoughts on this game? I like Oregon Trail. Oregon, not Oregon. I like both. I'll yes, probably yes. still play this game until I die. <laughs> I played a ton of iterations. So I'll play this one too. Oh yeah. sure, Guy Online had a was it a throwback? Oh, yeah, they had a special event which was pretty much Oregon Trail with the NPC characters, and nice. one of them when you went to go hunt for well, one of your cat you picked a boat airship captain. One Ooh. of them was this deer who was an NPC in the on the site shopkeeper. Anyway, if you happen to kill any deer, he would kill your whole crew. <laughs> <laughs> so there's lots of cool like there's lots of cool variations. And oh, that's so this funny. one's cool too. It's it's great. It's good to see that Oregon Trail Oregon Trail is still still alive and kicking somehow. <laughs> yeah, and this always person, will be. Yeah, and this person did a pretty good job of modernizing it. I didn't see the Flash version, but it, it did feel a little modern, yeah. even though um, they tried to keep the 8-bit feel. So I think it was yeah. a good balance. I, I always love to see a lot communicated with a little, and I think that in the, the pixel art, that is is one of the places that that's most impressive. You know, anybody that's studied how sprites work, it's like it's like one Depending. pixel, one pixel here, one pixel there. It's like it's amazing how much you can communicate, especially when they're moving. 
It's just wild. And yeah. and, the, and this, I mean, it really is, it's not even 8-bit, really. I mean, it's way less, right? It's like, I mean, what was the 2E? I don't even know. No, it was 8-bit. It was, was it's it? the same processor that was in the regular Nintendo Entertainment System. Oh, really? It's the same processor that was in the Commodore VIC-20. It's the, the, the 6502 processor that's been used in countless number of things. So you would be, you'd be Candy surprised. 1000s, yeah. Lots of them. I gotta say that the shooting system was a bit clunky. Oh, but yeah, that was... so you have to drag away from... I think what they want you to do is they want you to touch the enemy and then drag to yourself. Yes, mm-hmm. that's how you aim and fire. Right, but... Or you this... can touch yourself and... You can drag yourself and no, drag back. and hold behind. Yeah, you go to... backwards. Right, the first time that you're supposed to shoot Clements, it says drag to your opponent. And so I'm dragging from my guy to Clements and... My dude's like just pointing directly up or pointing directly down. The admin yeah. about about like through the oh, through yeah. the Brian's tablet across the room. She's like, uh, "What is wrong with this system?" And then we're like, "You got to drag back." She's like, "Let's do it." Yeah. <laughs> oh man, watching her try to play this was oh incredibly entertaining. Yeah, <laughs> yes, she and terrifying. She bit. just did not get it. No, no. yeah, well, yeah. It was this, especially terrifying because she was using my tablet. <laughs> Just remember, folks, you break it, you buy it at ten times the price. This is true. But yes. if it had any user interface control problem, it was definitely the shooting, because sometimes you got shots you never thought you would make, and other times you, you're totally oh, yeah. sure you're going to make this shot and totally didn't get it. I oh, felt okay. like the hitboxes on the zombies were a little bit generous. Mm-hmm. I felt when this, like, you would you would get touched by a zombie when I was hoping to sneak by, Yeah, you know, and they'd, like, magically hit you when, you know, a little bit. You know, I'm, gl- I'm glad that somebody else feels that way, because when I was playing and... And Chaz and his girlfriend were standing, or his fiance now, were standing behind me. I was like, what? That didn't hit me. And they're like, it totally did, man. It totally hit you. I was like, I'm playing the game. It's in my hands. It did not hit me. And they're like, yeah, yeah, it did. You're just being a bitch. <laughs> I think they just like to mess with me. That's really what it yeah, is. Probably. It is fun. Yeah. The, game, I, uh, the one thing that the game, that really bothered me about the game, is that it felt like, I mean, and this could just be because I'm a big weenie with games now, because I've been playing new games so much, but there was no hand-holding. There was a little bit of an intro with Clements in the beginning, but mm-hmm. you got to town and it's like, here you go, here you go, have fun, drops you into the game. There's And it would be nice to maybe have a little bit of dialogue to explain what the different screens do, to explain that, you know, like the, like the, the purchasing system, the bartering system, you can go in and there's offers that come up and then you can wait for more offers, but waiting takes time. And, and depending food. on the time of day, and food, depending on the time of day, there's more or less zombie activity, and you have a finite amount of food. And I can remember the first time that I did that, I was like, "No, no, 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 my food!" <laughs> it's like I don't, I don't. I was just curious. It said wait, and I was like, "Oh, what happens when I click this?" It's like, "Ah, my food's disappearing." Really? So I mean, I wish that there was just some simple dialogue that popped up and said, "You know, you can click wait. It consumes some food and takes some time, but you might get another offer." It's like that's all it needed, you know. But they 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 forewent that, and it really feels like they were just. You know, really kind of almost porting with just sort of a sheen of a different style, the mm-hmm. old one. That's well, it's interesting because I skipped all the story. I was like, too much dialogue, didn't read any you of and your, it. You and your story and, hate. I'm used to the, you know, the original Oregon Trail where you just have to try everything and experiment. Yeah. Every yeah, round. That's you, what I did, trial and error. That actually, yeah, reminds me of the 80s gaming experience in general as well. That didn't work. Oh, so you learn the hard way, and that's how you learn how to Trial play. and death. In my day, yeah. in my day, you just died. Yeah. <laughs> and you only got three continues. <laughs> oh, you're starting about the freaking beginning, too. Yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. So, out of 10 Miyamotos... Miyamoto scales back! Miyamoto scale. So, out of 10 Miyamotos, how many Miyamotos would you guys give this game? Pink. Let's do seven. Seven? Seven. Nice. Neuro? I'm going to be a little less generous. I'll probably give it a four. Wow. Whoa. Explain. Well, 
Was it because it kept crashing? <laughs> no, it has nothing to do with stability about the game. Um, you just don't like Oregon Trail. I was kidding. <laughs> I'm really trying to think, analyze my this thinking. I, I, I just wanted more. Yeah. From a game these days, and it's it's really a retro game, and I love retro games. But um, also, it's a little expensive for what it is. Yeah, it's like yeah. two ninety nine, mm-hmm. and it's really not a lot of content. Yeah, I it, think it's long. Yeah, but yeah, not a lot of substance. Yeah. Sure, I've played this game before, and it's tough to play it again after spending so much time in it. So it's Says just you. The, well, yeah, the replayability is kind of lost for me. Yeah, and I think maybe I guess my main gripe is the content. Yeah, the lack of content. Mm-hmm. Joe. Out of ten Miyamoto's, um, I'll probably stick with a seven too. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna keep playing it till I get to freaking Oregon, <laughs> or become organs. <laughs> oh, uh, well, well, but, um, <laughs> all right, the Brian. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Don't forget to tip your waitress. Um, I'm gonna give this a five and a half. Mm. Oh. See, the Brian is always trying to cut Miyamoto in half. Yeah. He needs to have some I blood. mean, th- there is that. And this is it, a zombie game. And for me, five is a meh. So this is just slightly above a meh because, you know, I did pay three bucks for it. I probably won't be playing it that much. Sure. It's just kind of, it's not bad. It's definitely not meh, but not much higher than. Yeah. You know, for me, I think I'm going to go six. I enjoyed it. I'm not sorry I downloaded it. I probably, I'll probably play through and beat it once. I don't really see a lot of replay value, honestly. Yeah. And it's it's a hard battle on my iPhone to defeat some of the other games that I've got on there. I mean, there are games that are pretty incredible and powerful on available on our on our mobile devices these days, let alone, you know, my Vita or something like that. So if I'm out and about kicking around, then I can be like, oh, I can be playing Uncharted on my Vita, or I can be playing Oregon In- Trail. You know, it's like it's like it's it's a little hard to really vie for my attention. And so it just, it's just kind of the same challenge that Neuro had with it. It felt felt like it was a little bit lacking in content. It was way more expensive than it should be. And, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's just an element, and I don't even know how, how people choose prices for that hey, sort of stuff. Honestly, it was the same price on Android as it was on iPhone, which is not common. Most yeah. of the time, it's it's less expensive on Android because it's cheaper to publish to Android. Is that correct? I've seen it the other way around because really? you have to work. Because with iPhones, you have a set um, parameters as far as hardware and screen size and all that sort of oh, stuff. Yeah. When you're dealing with Android, you're dealing with all the Android mm-hmm. phones yes. and tablets. It's, it's definitely tougher to develop for Android because the device fragmentation, as Brian pointed out. Yeah. Uh, Apple takes 30% on the Apple Store. I don't know what Google takes, um, but I do know that there are less customers for the Android Store so and more piracy. So if you yeah. produce something on Android, people are less likely to actually pay for it or actually buy it. Really? So then it maybe is exactly the opposite of what I thought it was. Yeah, I've, I've, I've seen, just, I've seen several iPhones games be a dollar on the iPhone and free on the Android market. I've, I've That's seen, where I had that opinion hmm. from. I know that there were a couple of EA games that I've seen out there that were four ninety nine on the iPhone and were like 6 or seven ninety nine on the Android. Wow. Yeah. Cool. So overall, kind of all over the place scores. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that... If you like Oregon Trail for real, then this game will definitely scratch that itch. And, you know, especially with the popularity of zombies, it's like, man, who doesn't like shooting zombies in the face and fighting zombie bears and shit? That's good stuff. And bandits. Some really good ideas in this game. Definitely a lot of really good ideas. So And a whole lot of nostalgia. Whole kinds of nostalgia, yeah. So, I mean, anybody that's less than 25 or something is not going to understand. <laughs> well, it's, I think it's still fun, though. Yeah. yeah. I think they really adapted it quite well. well but they still make it, Oregon it Trail pretty well to this depending. day. Well, the original they, point of the game yeah. was to tell you how freaking hard it was to get to Oregon back in the day. <laughs> yeah. 
So that's why the game is impossible. It was that was supposed to be an educate the 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 point of the educational yeah, you game. Pretty rarely actually made it to Oregon. Yeah, nobody ever really did. You know, in in my classroom, we it was to, an achievement. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was challenging. It was really I just I, like, and I played that game a lot, and I probably did it maybe five times. Like, I think I got to Ohio or no, um, Idaho. The problem is, is that when I played it, we didn't get to save the game. So anytime that we played it. When we got back to the computer lab, we had to start from scratch yep. again. <laughs> Good old days, man. Well, we're going to go ahead and take a musical break. When we get back, we're going to get into Gruesome Tales by Jared Menonen and Joe Daly. Listen to Geek Life. Stick with us. episode 34. Uh, right now we are going to give a bit of a spotlight for an audiobook thanks to Audible. John, what have you been listening to? Actually, recently I listened to 14 by Peter Kleins and it is awesome. Uh, 14, actually I was told about it by Admin. The Admin and I both subscribe to Audible and sometimes we'll share different good ideas and books and stuff and when she had listened to that, the moment she finished it, she text messaged me and she said and I quote, you have to go listen to 14 by Peter Kleins. And I said, why? She said, I can't tell you. You just have to listen to it. It's hard to talk about how great this book is without giving away the kind of like, whoa, sort of moments that this book has, and in which it has several of. Suffice to say, it is about a gentleman who moves into this surprisingly inexpensive apartment in Los Angeles. And just yeah, like suspect kinda, already. Yeah, exactly. It's very inexpensive, very inexpensive. And it's actually pretty nice. Everybody likes it there. There's kind of a weird sort of mixture of people that live in the place. And a lot of them have lived there for a really long time. And there's a lot of just kind of strange things that happen, like green glowing cockroaches. And there's this one door, number 14, that is padlocked up the wazoo. There's like four or five different locks on it. It's freaking crazy. And like some of the locks have been painted over. It's just been there forever. And so there's just like some weird stuff. The door to the boiler room is locked, and the caretaker guy is sort of sort of creepy and, and sort of mysterious. And, and th- there's there's clearly something going on at this apartment complex and or apartment building. Nobody's really willing to talk about it. They're kind of afraid of losing their super cheap rent, and so they just kind of go with it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but eventually, this uh, this new person moves in, and, who is the protagonist of the story, and starts to get increasingly curious and really becomes obsessed with finding out what's the deal with this with this building. And he finds out that there's another person in the building who is very much interested in trying to figure out what the deal with the building is. And they kind of team up. And pretty soon, everybody gets involved. And it's this Scooby gang of trying to figure out what's going on. <laughs> and, you know, somebody's trying to, trying to keep the manager busy, the building manager busy. And everybody else is sneaking around trying to find stuff, you know. And it just... It, it becomes so awesome and so grand and so amazing, and it's uh, it really 
does not go where you're expecting it to go and is very enthralling and interesting. The characters are very tangible. Uh, the story keeps you glued. I finished it in about a day, wow. which is a lot for an audiobook because that's a long time. <laughs> you know, you can read way faster than you can listen, I think. I burned through this audiobook and it's really, really entertaining. So, so highly recommended. Check out 14 from Peter Kleins. You can get that on Audible. If you go to Audible, you can go to audibletrial.com forward slash geeklife and download it for free. We highly recommend checking out 14 from Peter Klein. So next we're going to talk about Gruesome Tales by Jared Menonin and Joe Daly. So we passed this around and talked about this a little while before the podcast. And we actually talked to Jared at SACCON in the summer SACCON in 2012. And he very generously gave us an interview, hung out with us, and gave us uh, some of his work. And... Been uh, you know a lot of stuff ahead of it on the queue. Finally got to it, and so we're we're here to talk about it a little bit. So what what do we think of Gruesome Tales? Needs work. You know it's 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 tricky when you come across a book like this because Jared is clearly very driven. There's a lot of hard work that went into this book, and he was a really yeah. really nice guy when I talked to him, and definitely on fire for sequential art. And so that's that's always really great. But it's not real common to see a a trade. This is a trade paperback. It's not yeah. real common to see a trade paperback. Because that's, that's an expensive endeavor to yeah, put together a is. book and throw it into a trade paperback, buy a bunch of them, and then go to conventions and sell them. Like, that's, that's some serious money investment, time investment. And, you know, for the, for the stories to just not be ready yet, you know, the art to not be developed enough to really warrant that level of investment. There's definitely a lot of potential, I think. And down the road, it'd be interesting to see where it went. Some kind of creepy stories. Some definitely clear about trying to make a point with his stories. They don't just kind of meander around. He definitely has a plan and a purpose. But it just feels like it's just not developed enough. You know, they need to spend more time developing his art style, developing the writing style. This felt like it was more appropriately in like a copy, like a like a copy comic. You know, where you you know print it out and then staple it. You know, it felt like that's where it belonged. Not in this really well, like really nice. Yeah, the book paperback. is really slick. Yeah, yeah. And the cover art is actually I, pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a little disjointed from the rest of the art in the book. Well, you know, the the the, the thing is, the cover art can kind of get away with being kind of weird and crazy and and, yeah. and actually very very variant as from the inside. As long as it's vaguely relevant, I think. Sure. But I think the biggest thing about this is you go to all this trouble to get a, you know, a book printed in a really nice format. And that's cool. You know, that, that does interest people on a very base level. Sure. But when I was looking through the book, it seemed like there was a lot of work that was just really rushed. A, a lot of drawings and a lot of, uh. It looks like of, it was still kind of in pencil. Yeah, there was some, there was a lot of rudimentary stuff with, with, like there was the, problems with drawing the hands, problem with foreshortening. Right. The different, there was a, I noticed that there was one point where the, I think it was the second story where it was, I mean, it's called Gruesome Tales, so it's all these sort of creepy, weird tales. Well, they all are, have a twist ending, right, and they're, they're, they're all very, terrible ending. Right, but it all kind of reminds me of like Twilight Zone episodes or I something. I think so, too. Yeah. You know, yeah. but, but there was, I think number two, it was about a young boy and his mother on the run, and she right. had done something very vague, don't, doesn't explain to you what it was, but she had done something to try and make money for them at some point, and they were running from that decision because she couldn't pay it somehow. Like, mm-hmm. but, and then she, well, but then she like disappears, and the boy she gets pays taken. With her boy? Like the, the, yeah, she, yeah, yeah, she pays. Like the guy takes the boy into slavery, assumingly. Like it's confusing, oh, you know. Well, yeah. see, yeah. okay, now it's hard but, to. But, 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 but before we get into what that story was, I was going to say artistically, there was a scene in that one where the boy puts on a coat. And all of a sudden, he's not like four heads tall. He's like seven. 
Yeah. Like mm-hmm. he gets he, his like body proportion, his head to his body proportion is massive, and all of a sudden he looks like a man. And it's like, whoa, 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 is that the same person? Clearly yeah. it is, because in the next scene he's a little bit smaller. Well, and it's know, just like it's just kind of all over the place. Actually, at that point, there's a story shift. What I understood of that second story is the first part of it is kind of a, a going back to when he is still with his mother and this is where he gets separated from her. And then when he meets the like other him in like the shadow of him. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. apparently was never actually there. Oh. Yeah, okay. which was never there. The the characters actually switch and now the the actual character is no longer the boy that was looking for his mom's purse. Now it's the boy who was naked in the closet. And now that boy is talking to his imaginary friend who was him. Before he got taken by this man. So there's definitely some elements of some real genuine creep factor. He sets out to tell some creepy tales, and there's some creepiness in the tales. As much as I feel like the art was underdeveloped for this sort of a format, I did actually think that the the couple shots in the darkness of the creature in that one were pretty darn scary. They were a little bit reminiscent of Ben Templesmith. You know, definitely some influence there from his 30 Days of Night books with just, like, the epic amount of teeth and this sort of deformed, flexible... That's what's so cool about Ben Templesmith is that his stuff... He doesn't ever really, you know, subscribe to one particular style or shape. His characters are all very malleable, and so when he has something that's so creepy, like a vampire, when they go to roar or scream or yell or bite somebody, they're all just, just giant rubber awful things that can stretch and contort. Oh, right. So you he know, kinda... it's so cool. So there's there's an element of that in the monster for that one. So but... he kind of goes into this expressionistic thing, I think, sure. during some of those some of those panels. Like at the end of, this, of uh, I think, the maybe the third story, too, you have at least a consistent art style going. And then at the very end, there's this sort of rubber man panel, but there's t- almost too much of a style shift. So sure. the underlying thing that I get from this is is um, he needs to make more comics, not only make more art, but also study things like lettering and how that's supposed to flow. Because the- he actually did hand lettering in the first, comic, yeah, in the which first is, one, which is ballsy. It is, but at the same time, there's a reason why it's a it's a very developed skill on its own. Yeah. You know, you can't ignore. And not a lot of people do that. Yeah, you can't yeah. ignore the power of typography in your comics because your yeah. words are working with your art. So when you have things like an organization of dialogue just sort of going back and forth all over the page with no panel structure, which is the third story where they ditch the format of regular square shapes, square and rectangle shaped panels, and they go into something more expressive. That's fine to do, but because of that, you have to have the you have to have the other elements of your story, like your your other fundamentals, a lot tighter in order to lead a person through the progression of dialogue and through the progression of action. What's well, the old story of you need to understand and be able to work within the confines of of kind of traditional rules before mm-hmm. you throw them out the window? Oh, absolutely, and it still works. You know, because there's a lot. I mean, you talk about story, you talk about art. There's lots of rules, guidelines, structure. And the really, really fine, excellent professionals will all the time go, fuck that stuff and just do their own thing. But they can do that because they've reached a place where they can work inside the rules. They can, you know, you know what I mean? Like they've developed it to a point where they're able to still make it work. The reasons that the rules are in place are not because there used to be rules, but because it's because it helps things to stay on track and be clear and understandable and sharp and all that sort of stuff. Right. And so when you throw the rules out the window, you have to have a very, it's, very strong grip on It has on to be conscious when, you, when mm-hmm. you ditch them rather than not knowing them and ignoring them. Right. I think um, what needs to be done with the, this artist of this team is they need to just make way more comics before putting too much of an investment into this really nice, slick format. Mm-hmm. 
because you need to get a, cra- a metric crap load of work done. You know, any of us, you know, when you're working on any craft, there's that 10,000 hour model where when you do yep. something for 10,000 10, hours, you become a master of it. Well, honestly, my experience with comics in general, I mean, there's one thing there's, there's getting your art together. Sure. You need 10,000 hours in art, but sequentials on their own. When you're drawing comics, it's, it's a completely different skill than just being able to draw something convincingly. Totally. So you need another 10,000 of that. Make a million more comics, make them in every freaking format you can. And that's what I'm not seeing here is like, as somebody who's, you know, like I've formally studied painting most of my life too. And I've loved comics probably as long as this guy has loved comics. And I can tell when somebody just hasn't been making them for very long. Right. It it does seem sort of early in his comic creating career. And it's great that you said, and it's interesting because if you look at his bio on the back, it says that, that he learned how to do it, you know, in between jobs. And that's really great. And you also mentioned that he's really passionate about it. Which is great because he's going to – we need to see more from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you can definitely tell that there are some dramatic angles and a lot of really solid – what would be really solid scenes. Sure. If they could just get polished, it would be a very engaging art style. Yeah, I actually thought that there was certain things that he did with the background to suggest sky, sky uh, skylines and, and advanced futuristic, you know, sort of world and – you know, it, it didn't really work the way that you could tell he was trying to do, but at the same time, there were some really cool ideas there. Yeah, and you, you know, know, it's it's some of the some of the later issues actually. Um, personally, if I would have arranged this collection of stories differently, I would have put one of the more stronger ones as one of the first ones. Sure, because the first one, it seems like there's a there. It makes sense to to see maybe a chronological progression from right. the first comic to the other ones because you but can be, see how he they're, improves. They're, they're, they're but, not, uh, it's not a sequential story. Yeah, you it's need one a thing hook. if you have something like a webcomic that you're going to make an omnibus of where you've got the first you know 100 pages of it, you're going to want it to be sequential. And right. so, yeah, and typically with webcomics over the years, you see, like we talked about with, uh, with Happel, that you end up having this big change from the art style from the beginning towards the more modern art style when it's time for them to really put it out into book form. It's not uncommon to see that growth. And so that's fine. But when you're doing something like this where there's sort of varying levels of quality and they're not a sequential story, rearrange the pattern so that it, you know the first yeah. thing you see hooks you and striking. Yeah, and I thought you know the last of the stories of the book were way more interesting than, than the earlier part of the book. Or, you know, even, even omit... The weakest story. Sure. Yeah. If if you're just trying to fill a page count, don't don't do that because what they tell you in, in art school, for example, when you're building a portfolio, is your portfolio is as strong as your weakest piece of work. So I, I felt like there was one uh, the first story in there. You know, if we didn't have it, it I think it would have been my rating would have been a lot higher. Sure. Or if it was sandwiched between the hook and a strong finish, it would have been a lot can, better presentation. Yeah, you can do that too, but there's, you know, the, the point is it, it's still as strong as the weakest story. Well, that's that's the thing, that's the, the thing about, about when you're doing visual storytelling and it's, or visual anything, and it's a personal project, like he said, between jobs. Right. This is not what he's depending on to be able to pay his bills. This is not... So, so he, it's very unlikely that he has a publisher that is hounding him and knocking down his door saying, this needs to be done by this time. I need this page and then he pages by here. Da, 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 you know, which is an element of needing to rush, mm-hmm. you know, and why certain things in comics maybe aren't the way that the artist would really like if he had the time to, to actually polish everything out. all the time. Which it does happen all the time. But that's one thing that I like so much about independent comics is that independent comics have the time and the flexibility to have it look the way you want it to look. There, And I've said this before, I really feel like if you're doing an independent comic, there's absolutely no excuse for it not to look 
as you want it to within your capabilities. Right. And, you know, and, and there are some times where hands in this are drawn decently. There's sometimes when the hands are like crazy scissor thing fingers. And it, it's just like, there's, there's absolutely no way that he's, that Jared's completely happy with everything in this. There's going to be pages where he's like, well, I, you know, if I, I would like to go back and fix that or whatever, but there's no reason for that ever to come out. You know, even if you put it up online and you're trying to make deadlines, like we're talking about, you know, coming up to 23 pages in a, in a little while with, with some of the comics on Pandamanga. And there's some things that we're going to go in and tweak and adjust before we put it into print because there's things that we want it to oh, be wow, better. Yeah. Right. You know, and it's like there's no deadline for the prints. There's deadlines for the releases online. So some things have to be done a little bit quickly. Some things don't get as much polish as we'd like. But if we're going to print something, we're going to make it the way we want it before we print it out. There's nobody waiting for us. There's no publishers, you know, needing a timetable. We're going to make it look exactly as we will. When Joe and I get together to put out the first issue of Dinner and Dragons, we're going to sit down and with a fine tooth comb, go through everything. Make sure everything is perfectly spelled. Make sure everything is just right. If he doesn't like something or wants something redrawn or feels like there's portions are incorrect or whatever, we're going to go in and tweak it. We're because make there's... sure the staples are in the right place. Exactly. <laughs> there's no reason, no excuse whatsoever for anything to be any less than your best. Yeah, and I know the message can be conflicting because on one hand, you need, you really do need to finish more artwork than because that's that's usually a failing of an amateur is they never finish their projects. Right. So on one hand, yeah, finish projects, but on the other hand, if you're going to be putting this out for people to come find you and come read your stuff, just you know save your best stuff. Well, every comic artist has probably five comics they've done to every one that they actually share with the world. Right. You know, there's a lot of stuff that goes into the behind the scenes. There's a lot of things that I've made, that Pinky's made, that like only our friends have seen. Oh yeah, God. Oh <laughs> you know? my God. And I actually periodically will clear out my entire DeviantArt Sure, or Tumblr. You did yeah. it just recently. Oh yeah, I just did. I just purged all my artwork. So if anybody ever wanted to see it again, well, it better be in Google because I don't have it anymore. But it, it's just, you know, it needs more, need to make more comics. And that's a good thing because you love comics, don't you? We all love comics. Sure, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Did anybody else want to say anything else? Well, I think it's an anthology of work. He's got three different stories, and like we said, they, they kind of start weak and they get a little better. Well, the thing is, um, we're, we're focusing so much on the fundamentals of, of just basic drawing and basic comic making because, honestly, they distracted from what what actually could have been some pretty interesting stories. Yeah. There was yeah. the, He had these little one-page segments where it's just prose and, and an image to back up the prose. And Those were powerful. Yeah, there was there was one in there that I really liked uh, about um, remembering the eyes of somebody whose family he had to kill because it was the the main character was a soldier or something like that, and that could have been something really interesting. Yeah, that's something that whenever I see a independent comic and the art is below what I was expecting, that is maybe you know uh, not as well developed as I would expect for somebody to actually put out and try and sell. Right. I'm typically thinking they are very confident in their story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that's perfectly reasonable. There are some comics where it's like really, and but the but the story. I mean, there's comics that make their living with freaking stick figures. You know, I ran right. across a a comic the other day that literally for every single comic has the same set of pictures, and they just replace the dialogue, and it's entertaining. <laughs> sprite comics. Yeah, it's it was a sprite comic, and it, it's entertaining. But it's it's XKCD is one that's just stick figures. Pretty sure, much. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I don't I don't feel like. The art has to be super excellent for the comic to be enjoyable. That's not what I'm saying. It's I was, just... ex- you know, I was expecting for there to be really, really good story behind perhaps underdeveloped art, and 
I got a little bit distracted with the art, sure, but it, but it, it still felt like the story wasn't polished enough as well. It right. felt like right. it was there, sort of yeah. meandering, a little preachy. There was a few. Know. There was a few. Situations but there was. It's not like there's. I don't want to say that there's nothing about this I didn't enjoy. I'm not sorry I read it. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I'm excited to see where Jared goes moving forward. Yeah. Because yeah. there's a lot of potential. There's a lot of passion. There's an eye for interesting use of, of light and dark. And, yeah. and this this is a really good rough draft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I will say that there are comics that we read and that we go review and, you know, comics I read on my own that I can't even, I, I won't even touch after the first two pages. Sure. I'm, I'm really discerning with that kind of stuff because, you know, you spend your life reading stuff by the best. Right. You know, and st- other things aren't going to be very interesting. So on that note, I actually read all of this book. Mm-hmm. So there was something there. Definitely. Uh, I yeah, no, I, I don't feel, I mean, there's there's stuff that you read where you're like, nope, done. Yep. You know, yeah. and so this, it's, it's like, I found myself being hungry to see what's next. Yeah. You know, to see, you know, the more developed version of this, to see, you know, where Jared is three, four, five years from now, continuing to furiously draw and, and passionately work on his comics, because I'm excited to see what's going to happen, because there's a lot of beginnings of brilliance, I yeah, think. A lot of untapped potential. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Let's go ahead and, uh, and, and go ahead and give our reviews. Pinku, go ahead. <sighs> All right. Out of um, five issues. 1.5. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it just, it needs a lot of work um, in order for, in order to hold my attention. So, you know, I'll even go as far as say, I would be happy to crit any of his future comics. And I know I'm, I'm not, you know, really anybody, but I, I'm not anybody. I'm not, pub- I'm not too published or anything like that. I've only been published a couple of times, but at the same time, you know, there's, I'm a really good art student. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's something to be said about having a, a circle of trust that you can really get honest, supportive feedback yeah. where they're not about trying to raise themselves up by tearing you down. And that, that's really, it's a, it's no, a good I mean, thing. Like I said, I, I read the whole book, but I wouldn't continue to read this series because after a while you just get tired. But at the same time, like if I knew Jared personally, I would totally be okay with critiquing his work. And, you know, that takes time and effort. So for me, and that's, it's sort of like, it's sort of like that's how I feel about the work. Is is there still there's something there that that's really good that's yeah. going to come out, and that's why I say that's why I would say something like that. Right, like anybody. I said before, untapped potential. Yeah, yes, definitely. you know, because some books you just like done. I don't even care. I don't. I don't want to know. Yeah, you. you need to stop. <laughs> yeah, but there's something you know. There is something really endearing about this stuff, even though like I I've seen a lot. You know, I've seen better. I'm just gonna say it. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Joe. Well, I'm thinking if it were. More issues this size, I'd probably just give it one. Because if I'm going to read that much more of the story, if it hasn't improved that much with that much more content, it's kind of looking like it's going in the wrong direction. Sure. Like, there's got to be a big step forward in the next book to really kind of keep me going with the gruesome tales. Definitely. Yeah, and there's, there's the, you can see growth in these three stories, and so I think you can tell yeah. he's kind of at the beginning of his journey uh, as developing his professional skills. Yeah, the more consistency there is in art, the more you're getting into the latter part of someone's career. Yeah. Yeah, so I think if we did another three books, we'd definitely see even more improvement. Yeah, which I'd like yeah. to see, honestly. That's, I'm looking forward to seeing his next stuff. Yeah, I would I'm actually expecting it to go up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I actually don't remember names, but I might actually remember this name Yeah. in terms of a lot of art just because there's so much of it. Sure. You know, Brian, I'm going to give it a one. Mm-hmm. I struggled to get through this book. I always have an issue when it comes to like a great concept, but the execution's very flawed. And I thought the execution was very flawed with this. There were a lot of kind of side tangents here and there and preachiness. It just really was not up my alley. I don't really see myself wanting to read more, frankly. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go 1.5. 
I really do feel like there are some really brilliant choices he made with expression and composition here and there that, to me, excite me for future work. And it really reminded me of this one guy that I, I ran into who also very, very passionate about his work, but still very much early in his career of, of drawing and did some really, really cool stuff. But a lot of it was really rough. A lot of it was underdeveloped. But there were some things that he did in, in the composition, the frame pacing, you know, that, that were just like, man, that's really cool. Like, I, I want to use that, that style of expressing this particular feeling or this particular situation or, or, being, or, or, you know, or shading or whatever or shadow. There was some cool stuff that he did. And, and I find myself feeling the same way about this. There was some cool stuff in there. It's like, that's actually pretty cool. Yeah. Like, it's not, it's not really well polished, but that's pretty darn cool. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing more from Jared, and hopefully we'll see him at, uh, at future future stuff in Sacramento. There's always some convention happening out there. Oh, oh yeah, that's yeah. true. Definitely. I should right. actually go to some of those. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. we're, we're going we're gonna to get back into covering soon, so you can, oh. you can tag along. Cool. <laughs> All right, well, that has been episode 34 of the Geek Life Podcast. See you guys next week for episode 35. Thanks for listening to Geek Life. We always love to hear from our listeners. Please email us at geeklife at pandamanga.com with your questions, comments, and insights. Anyone interested in becoming a PM contributor, visit our contact page at contact.pandamanga.com and complete the form located there. Music has been provided by AirPlus Recordings. As always, links to the artists and songs featured on this episode are available in the show notes at podcast.pandamanga.com. If you'd like more information about AirPlus Recordings, visit airplusrecordings.com. This is The Brian, and we'll see you next time.